Ginger is essential here. It has a particular peppery, almost pungent warmth. Gonna grate quite a lot of it in. Oh, and garlic, of course. Another form of heat. So familiar, so necessary. But my heat-seeking mission is not over. I want the gold fire of English mustard. And actually, it provides more than heat. It seems to dance on the edge of bitterness. That's the phrase that pays. Dance on the edge of bitterness, everybody. You'll feel better for it. Welcome to the gated community on a Tuesday. I have to do that every day at the moment. I have to work out which day I'm in. We're live. It's Ronnie Barber's uh, Philly Formed on your Vague Radio UK, the radio station you paid for, and we're making you pay every single day. It's going to get hot today. It's going to be a hot one. I might even get the Speedos on today. I'll make sure we're the ones that aren't worn out at the back uh, for going the slides too much. It happens. Hey, you can get in touch with us and say hello. 07849 453 587. It's a gorgeous morning. I've been for the papers already. And it's great. You see the, the regular same people, the wee boy with his uh, newspaper round? He's a bit late, so he's pedalled in too. He's pedalling in fast to get there because he's got to pick the papers up. I can remember my whole newspaper round: Mansfield Road, Welton Road, Old Avenue, Mary Morrison Drive, Sone Road, and back home. And the Sunday papers there used to be like it was like three feet wide. The Sunday papers because they had all the supplements. Uh, loads to talk about, absolutely loads to talk about today. Uh, you can email ronnie at vagueradio.co.uk. Let me know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, just let me know what you're thinking. <clears throat> uh, right, you know, my wife's going out shortly. She's going to go and see a patient shortly. Not Her name's not shortly, and uh, the patient nor my wife. Uh, um, right, so today, uh, big uh, kick-off yesterday uh, about the uh, uh, immigrants. Uh, Stop. This is uh, Pretty Patel's got angry, buddy. Uh, yeah, she's Pretty Patel's angry. Oh, she stabbed her wee foot up and down. Bless her. That's good luck. Anyway, uh, she said, stop uh, more migrants or pay the price, Francis, Francis warned by pretty. Oh, 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 she ain't pretty. Pretty Patel. She, um... She's warned them. Uh, Pretty Patel told uh, MPs that she is ready to withhold the millions of pounds promised to the French. Excuse me, I'm going to have to clear my throat. That's better. A wee bit, yeah, it is a wee bit, isn't it? It's a wee bit that way. Yeah, a wee bit flammy. Oh, a phlegm. Phlegm. Well, you know, that's Belgian, isn't it? Phlegm. Anyway, uh, after a the record, a thousand migrants uh, came into the country yesterday. That's a record number. It's great. Record breakers. That's great, isn't it? I wonder if they consolidated that. I wonder if they got in touch. They were like, let's go for the big record today. We've done well up to now. Let's get more people uh, across the water. Let's pay, what's it somebody's paying? 1,600 quid to get into the UK. If somebody pays 1,600 quid, we should be getting some of that action. Shouldn't we? Without, that could help with the social care and everything. The Home Secretary is said to be furious at the low numbers of migrants being intercepted before they reach the British waters. Since she agreed to pay France... Fifty-four million pounds to, to double its patrols. Mm, we we will double our patrols. We will. Oh yes, don't you worry, Petit Patel. We will get you there, and we will uh, we will find them. And when we find them, we will just send them to you. She met Conservative MPs last night to try and quell their anger. Patel blamed the French 
And so I said, now, Patel, if you remember, she was the one that came in and said, uh, this has got to stop. She did that big speech at uh, the party conference a couple of years back. When it's going to stop, and she went, ooh. Uh, she was prepared to pull the funding promise less than two months ago if they failed to stop the three and four crossings by the end of this month. Now, the thing is, though, uh, she hasn't paid the money yet. So uh, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a reason why the French aren't doing it. Maybe that's the reason they decided, no, we're, we're not going to do it until you give us some money up front. Uh, we're not giving them a penny of the money so far. France is going to have to get its act together if it wants to see the cash. It's payment by results, and we have not seen those results. The money is conditional. <laughs> the Home Office is yet to confirm the final number of migrants who crossed the channel yesterday, but the government sources said, we're, we're short of workers. Why are we... Bring more migrants in. We need more workers. We need more people paying tax. Bring more in. Uh, but government sources said it's likely to be close to 1,000, breaking the daily record of 828 as people smugglers. They're the people we should... I'll wait to swear there. They're the people we should be sorting out is these people smugglers. If confirmed, it could take the total number of crossings to more than 13,500, dwarfing the 8,400 figure uh, crossed last year, the, uh, the, the record figure. So uh, we struck a deal with the French. We haven't paid any money to the French. All right, it's payment on results. France, you will not get a penny from pretty. No pretty penny. You won't get a pretty penny. We will try, we will try. It's very difficult. It's 50 meter, fifty miles of coastline. It's very much. We have a couple of people and a couple of people on bikes. Uh, and, uh, and we have one of those sand buggies. But we can't we can be everywhere at every time. If you perhaps paid 54 million up, what about a deposit? What about a deposit? But I'm surprised uh, the, uh, the you know the, we haven't cut into the deal uh, with these pub people smugglers. Maybe you know we should uh, Britain should maybe get some of that money. You know a bit of yeah. Hey, talking of France, there's a good link. You get that link. <clears throat> Take, yeah, get that link for the demo. That will be a link for Five Live. That's a Five Live link. Talking of the French. A newly discovered hat with DNA evidence proving that it belonged to Napoleon Bonaparte has been into uh, has not been interviewed has been previewed. Uh, we are talking to this hatter here. You are a hatter, are you not? Do you know Pretty Patel? She would not pay anything. She's not allowed in the auction. Well, we promised you you'll get your fifty-four million. But you got to do something for it. Um, anyway, it's uh, Napoleon. The record is Napoleon's heart. The little guy with the uh, well, that's funny. Uh, Pretty Patel's little and uh, Bonham, yeah. described by Bonhams as the first hat to bear the emperor's DNA. It's got DNA on it. We can clone Napoleon. Clone Napoleon uh, to bear the emperor's DNA. It's in display in Hong Kong before it uh, moves to Paris and then London, where it will be auctioned on the twenty seventh of October. The hat, which is one of the iconic bicorns, it's a bicorns. I had one of those. I had two of those. Yeah. I think you can get the treatment. Though. They, they can either cut them off or they, you rub some cream into them. Uh, the hat, one of the bio, uh, iconic bicorns often seen in depictions of Napoleon in the battlefield, had been bought by its present owner, a small German auction house, that did not know at the time it belonged to Napoleon. Well, hmm. maybe maybe they should have... Because, it, look, it's that little hat, you know, that maybe they went, Who's that? Who, who's wearing these hats? Don't know. Do we know anybody who's got these hats? Um, <clears throat> uh, oh, by the way, 07849453587. Is that the right number? I tried to remember that number in my bed last night. You know how you try to, you just keep it. Anyway, it's purely a chance encounter, said Simon Cottle, managing director of Bonhams in Europe. The uh, buyer became intrigued when he realised it had the inscriptions and other characteristics suggesting it could have belonged to the legendary European, European statesman and general, and general Mr Cottle said. The hat was then tested extensively using various methods, including electronic microscopy. Well, you'd have to because he was really small, wouldn't he? I think you need a tall leader. You do, don't you? You don't want a short person coming into, especially inspecting the troops. Uh, five hairs were discovered when the contents of her hat were examined very closely, Mr Cottle said, and two of those hairs were then followed up and they carried the marker of Napoleon. Napoleon hat. Top 10 signs it's Napoleon's hat. Discuss. 
Hey, by the way, today's birthday, a birthday girl today is Chrissy Hind. She's 70. She, she still got it. Arr. Arr. In pocket, I'm gonna use it. Intention. The one, the man's uh, richest, the richest man in the world. Uh, oh, good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning. Uh, Chris is back from his holidays. That's nice. I don't know where Al is today. We, uh, Al usually emails me to tell me where he is in the country, uh, or in the county, or on, in East Anglia uh, as well. <clears throat> what does the world's richest man still want after making all those billions? More time to spend them. Jeff Bezos, baldy guy. Yeah, Amazon, yeah, that one. It's said to be one of the investors in a well-funded Silicon Valley startup. It's not made out of silicon, by the way. It's it's it's, it's techie people. It's uh, you know, kind of geeky people. You're the ones you took the dinner money off them. <clears throat> but they did your homework. Um at this tech, at this Silicon Valley startup, we're recruiting some of the world's top genetic scientists to seek the secrets of eternal life. The Amazon founder is believed to have put millions of dollars from his nearly $200 billion fortune. $200 billion. That could, You could just go into Africa and say, right, there you go. That's yours. Right, raise the standard of living, everybody. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, from his nearly $200 billion fortune into Altos Labs, a project exploring gene repro reprogramming. The company is being set up by Yuri Milner, it's we, Yuri. Remember Yuri that lived up, yeah, number 44. Yeah. Maybe he was always kind of talking about he didn't even want to get old. Started a company. Yuri Milner, a Russian internet entrepreneur, with plans to open labs in California, Britain and Japan. Bessos, 57 and recently retired, is said to have a fascination with preventing ageing. 
In his part-taking message to Amazon shareholders, he urged the company to stay nimble by quoting from the biologist Richard Dawkins, Staving off death is a thing that you have to work at. Yep, yeah, I think I think that's a good one. It's not particularly deep, deep, Jeff. If you want to get in a tin of soup, you're going to have to take the lid off. That would I would have put that one. If you want to get in a tin of soup, yeah. He urged the company to stay nimble. If living things don't actually work to prevent it, that would uh, they would eventually merge with their surroundings and cease to exist and an autonomous uh, as an autonomous autonomous uh, beings. That is what happens when they die. Well done, Jeff. The Amazon founder is said to have invested in Naltos through Bezos Expeditions, his investment office. He's got an investment office. I think they can put other things on there as well. What? Invest. Vest. Yeah, there's other things you can wear. No, that's a talk radio one. Though Jeremy, uh, what's his name? The, the guy that taken off ITV? Jeremy is, uh, what's his name? Jeremy, oh. Anyway, he's on there. He's got a show there. And he's going to talk about all the things that people want to talk about across the country. Will you phone me up now so that I can completely disagree with you because I've got to get from one ad break to the next ad break. It's all show business. And I'll be angry for a bit of it because you people are not very, not you listeners, but the talk radio listeners, you people are not up to this. A securities disclosure filed in California in June indicated that the company raised at least £270 million to look into this. See, the thing about, I don't get this about uh, trying to live forever. Who wants to live forever? Not me. It'll be like going to the same uh, you know, sort of theme park, won't it? You've done all the rides. And you go, mm. Unless they add new rides to the world, I don't want to steal. I'm happy. If I get to 70, I've got six years left till I'm 70. If I get to 70, that'd be quite nice, won't it? Hey, that'd be quite nice. But I don't really... But Jeff Bezos wants to... He must have ordered a whole lot of cardboard. That's what it is. Ah, there we go. We got to the bottom. Bezos wants to live forever until he... Or at least until he gets rid of all the cardboard he's ordered for his boxes. He also wants to inhabit space, doesn't he? He wants to go to Mars. He goes to go to Mars. He wants to do that whole thing. Uh, Altos, this company, is pursuing biological repro uh, reprogramming technology, a way to rejuvenate cells in the lab that some scientists think could be extended to revitalize entire animal bodies. All right. Uh, Jeff, just a thought. Just a thought, Jeff. <laughs> Hey, Jeff, stop it. Uh, so, Jeff Bessels, uh, so if you want to invest in, the, in, the, in your future, uh, what was the other thing? Let's get, have a look at that. that was the, uh, from the, the Times today. There was a lovely wee story about an autistic boy who lost in, uh, in Italy, he, uh, in Australia. He'd been gone for three days and people were starting to get really, really concerned. But they found him. A helicopter went over this uh, area and the wee boy was having a drink at a stream. Uh, yeah, missing boy. The I love these stories. The survival of a three-year-old boy who was lost in the bush by himself for four days, four days, has been described as a miracle. Uh, Anthony, who's AJ, was spotted from a police helicopter yesterday drinking water from a creek on his family's property in rural New South Wales. The toddler, who has autism and does not speak, was last seen at the house. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. Any kids, but, you know, especially with, with autism. The fears that he might have been abducted, but rescuers found him at the riverbank. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love these stories. Uh, rescuers can be heard saying, I've got the boy in footage shared by New South Wales police. The toddler had some scrapes on his legs and was found drenched in wet clothes. It's a miracle. Thank you. A wee bit of good news. Right, coming up, what have I got for you? Oh, I've got animal magic. Yeah, I've got animal magic. Uh, uh, you know I love my animal stories. It uh, turns out that uh, ducks can finally talk. Well, not finally talk, they could, I suppose they could always talk. We could just start to understand them now, though. Vague Radio UK, Ronnie at vagueradio.co.uk. 07849453. Shut up, I'm not ready. Oh, God. I didn't get the number in, I didn't get the number for the text.
Sussex, eh? But it's, they haven't spelt it right. Uh, clearly, that's the kind of... Uh, it's a problem with the... Well, it is. It's probably a problem with the uh, spelling and the education system in Australia. Well, yeah, you know, we sent them there as prisoners. Talking of Australia. Hey, hey! Another one of those great... That's a Radio 5 link. Australian duck is the first to talk and it calls its mate a bloody fool. If it walks like a duck and swears like a trooper, it's probably an Australian duck. Or a musk duck. Scientists have added ducks to the small number of creatures, including parrots, that can learn to mimic humans after finding recordings of a sweary, lusty duck. Sweary, lusty duck. Oh, I think... Yeah, I did. I think I worked with him on the mighty uh, Feather FM. So <laughs> Uh, the found recordings of a sweary duck, everybody, uh, which is lovely, isn't it? I think we all kind of knew, didn't we? We all kind of knew that they did swear. We just didn't understand it until now, until scientists have worked out. Named Ripper, the bird who lived more than 30 years ago was fond of repeating a phrase during his mating display that he learned from his keeper. You bloody fool! You bloody fool! Australian. What did it sound like? Irish? This is believed to be the first documented amount, uh, account of a duck mimicking human speech. Uh, the study in the uh, journal Physiological Trans Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society analyzes two sets of recording of musk ducks. This is why it's really important we have scientists, everybody. Did you know that? That's why. We need scientists. The study, uh, written by Carl uh, Cartel, Carl, oh, sorry, Carl Ten Kate. Oh, it's Carl! Uh, 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 professor of Animal Behaviour at the Leiden, Leiden University in Netherlands and Peter Fulagar uh, from the Australian Government Science Agency, CSIRO, said that Ripper was a male, dusk, uh, male musk duck. <laughs> what did you do today? Well, I was listening to some recordings of a male musk duck. Oh, you need to know. Are you, you're obsessed with that duck. Well, it's speaking to me. I don't know what it's saying. I bet it's swearing. Uh, born in 1983 and raised at the Tidbinbilla uh, Nature Reserve. In 1987, Fulagar and other researchers recorded the ducks made, uh, the sounds made by the ducks. They included car door slamming. What? Other human-like mumbles and the repeated phrase, you bloody fool! In 2000, researchers recorded calls from another male musk duck raised in Tinbinbilla by a captive female. He could mimic the sounds of the Pacific black duck and a sound similar to Ripper's door slamming noises. <laughs> the Australian musk duck demonstrates an unexpected and impressive ability for vocal learning. Lovely. Ten Kate was amazed when he first heard the recordings. It was always mentioned that the duck imitated you, bloody fool, you bloody fool. I thought, this is a hoax. I couldn't believe it, he said to the new scientist. It would be as so unexpected from a species from this group, which is considerably quite primitive. Vocal learning is considered quite advanced yeah, trait, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Scientists can't believe ducks can talk. I see chess mania. Uh, people are getting involved with chess. Hey, the things you didn't know about chess. Uh, chess, uh, yeah, people, chess mania lures billions of players to get on board. Oh, the Queen's Gambit. Have you ever, uh, I think it's on Netflix. You should watch the Queen. Oh, it's great. Fantastic. But female uh, genius uh, tennis player, uh, chess player. I think she might have played tennis. <laughs> That'd be quite good. You do a rally at tennis. They do a rally, then go and make a move in the chess and get them back. But just in case you're wondering if it's for you, the chess, I think I learned to play once, uh, but I've forgotten all the I don't know who needs to move one way or the other. It's a bit like the hokey-cokey for me. Uh, chess players burn upwards of 6,000 calories a day during the tournaments owing to breathing rates, elevated blood pressure and muscle contraction. What muscle contraction do you get with that? What, you, you want to go to the toilet and you can't during a move? Yeah, because they don't like you moving too much, do they? They're not keen on you moving without... Yeah, you've got to do the whole thing. <clears throat> uh, learning chess improved reading skill, scores and, and, and reading performance in primary school uh, pupils. 
Playing chess has the potential to raise a person's IQ scores and strengthen problem-solving skills, research by Professor Peter Duvogne, who's a chess master, found. Elderly people who play mentally challenging games are two and a half times less likely to develop... Um, yeah, it was a bit like that... Remember the craving or the, the fad for... Um, what's the name of it? Uh, Sudoku. Yeah, it's a bit like that. So, to take up chess. Chess could, could enhance the creative part of your brain, a study said, uh, in, in India, and it helped give children the ability to think divergently. Diver, 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 diver. I'm in the Times at the moment. I'm in the Times, see if there's anything there. Uh, presenter tells a struggle to convince BBC that women can banter. Uh, Jane Garvey, who came up and did the... Uh, uh, did me a masterclass for, or did, I was going through a tough time at Radio Cambridgeshire. I couldn't get my, I couldn't get my, find my voice. And that's what they say you need to do, to find, you know, you need to find your voice, and I couldn't. And I was trying to change my accent and everything, and Jane Gavry came up and said, what are you doing? Keep your accent. Keep it. You don't have to, and that was it. So thank you, Jane Gavry, but she said, she struggled to get the, uh, P, uh, the BBC to understand that women can banter as good as men. I'll back that up. I'd back that up at any time. Uh, Boris Johnson believes that the Taliban have changed. Into what? You see that thing? Remember I said that we're going to have to change uh, to give uh, uh, some kind of money across the Taliban? Yeah. Uh, the Taliban have said they need investment in Afghanistan. They are skinned. They don't need enough money. So that <clears throat> kind of brings um, the Labour Party and the Taliban together. They're both skinned. <laughs> Let go, but I can't And every time we fight, I know it's not right 
07849453587. This is Vague Radio. Uh, Ronnie Barber here until 10. I do it every day. My, apart from, I won't be doing it Friday and I won't be doing Saturday. I will do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week. Because I am going to Scotland. Yes. I don't know if I'll come back. I don't know. Uh, you know, it sounds pretty good up there. You get free, uh, you get free medicines. You get free travel. And I'm at that age, well, you get free everything. Everything's free. You don't pay for anything, Scotland. That's why the standard of living so blooming high. Um, I'm not a great fan, as you know, of Tony Blair. Uh, he dived in yesterday talking about the next thing uh, we're going to have to put up with. And uh, some squeaking. That's just me. Uh, we, you know, we are bioterrorism. However, he's got a think tank. You know today that Boris Johnson uh, is going to uh, cure social care forever. Uh, Boris, yeah, he's got to, he's, he's been working on it for ages, and he's going to and he's going to raise uh, the national insurance, which is a tax. All right, let's not just uh, let's just cut the chase. National insurance is a tax, but they can't call it a tax because it sounds better when you say national insurance. Right, it's insurance. It's for, it's for the NHS. But we're going to have to pay a bit more, which I think most voters would go with, as long as we get the chance that the money does go to the NHS. It doesn't go to some other build-a-boat scheme or something like that or uh, get, give it to a private company. What's oh, birdies? What's oh, the birds? I was wondering what that noise was. It's the birds. So uh, uh, this uh, think tank, uh, he runs a think tank, uh, what's his name, uh, Tony Blair. And they, um, they reckon, so uh, this uh, new rise uh, in the uh, national insurance attacks, this would raise an estimated sum of 10 billion and 11 billion per year while capping personal lifetime contributions to care to about 80,000 pounds. But Tony Blair Institute, he's got an institute and a think tank. He's got the two, I think they're the same thing. I wonder if they actually get lowered into a think tank. Do you think that'll happen, Tony Blair with a little pulley? Yeah. Oh, hang on. Is that Al tell me where he is today? Alan Simpson, you're good. Uh, where are you today, Al? Sorry, Ron. Uh, heavy school traffic this morning. Had a lie in till seven. Electronic overload at Water Tower in Mayor Nick's village. Uh, part in the shade on the trees. Awaiting arrival, electrician have sufficient rations and fluids. Thank you, Al. See, Al's doing all these things. He's looking after us. Top man. Ronnie at vagueradio.co.uk if you want to get in touch with me. Anyway, uh, this think tank thing is not a bad idea, all right? Uh, at a fixed monetary cap built on the, the proposals of the Dillnock Commission, which mm, uh, ministers should use a more proportionate alternative as, of tying care contributions to asset wealth. In his report, we propose this uh, to a more progressive alternative cap set a fixed percentage of an individual's in, uh, initial assets. With this approach, the state would step in once a care user had contributed 15% of their assets towards the cost of care. Now, that is a cracking idea. Instead of, uh, you know, how you sell out your, your house and your relative's house and everything to look for the care, this would be a bit better because you, you, there would still be some money left, right? And the state would step in. Surely that's a great idea. Isn't that a great idea? Uh, the other news in as well, which uh, I know was worry, worrying you a lot, I was getting the emails, I had like five or six emails about this. Um, it turns out, the sausage wars, you remember the sausage wars? Are you cooking a dinner? Uh, it's to do with uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, Post-Brexit checks on British goods entering Northern Ireland will be delayed for a third time. Hurrah! After the government announced that it would uh, extend the grace period to avoid an un another impending sausage war. Uh, rules covering, see if the Taliban get to hear about that, they'll be in like Flynn. Uh, rules covering the, I wonder who Flynn is by the way. Uh, rules covering the shipment of products such as chilled meats from Great Britain to Northern Ireland were due to come into effect at the end of the month, month ushering in a slew of new checks. You need, we don't want any more slews coming in. A slew of new checks on goods entering the province. But ministers have announced it will continue to, to operate the Northern Ireland Protocol under the current standstill arrangement. It's a standstill arrangement. Can't we just do that with Brexit? Can't we just make out that we did leave, but we didn't? And then we can actually fill our shelves. So anyway, uh, Sausage Wars is off. Is there, I need to talk about any more here in the year. Uh, uh, families of 9-11 victims demand release of FBI files. Uh, declassification is the only way to clarify Saudi links to the hijackers. Oh, that will be tasty. Let's see 
what the Saudis have been up to. They might not have been up to anything. They might not be funding anything at all. They might not be supporting, uh, you know, uh, Al-Qaeda. I hope they don't bring back Al-Qaeda because I always struggle with how, how to pronounce it. Yeah, because, well, yeah, I wasn't sure. Was it Al-Qaeda? Al Al-Qaeda? Uh, 07849453587. Another email has just come in. Oh, uh, he's off. Oh, he sent me a picture. Oh, that's nice, Al. Oh, that's lovely. He's, 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 got, his, he's got his chair as well. Nice car as well. Oh, that's, everybody should send me pictures of your office today. Where is your office? Just send me a picture to ronnie at vagueradio.co.uk. That would be rather lovely. Thank you very much. <clears throat> oh, yeah. it's not started. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it started. That was supposed I to start. Hiya, Freddy! about nakedness isn't there in the papers uh, they seem to uh, we enjoy uh, people who like to, well I don't enjoy that I don't want any naked uh, cyclists going past me well you, you think about it you know they've kind of extraneous liquids that could get involved you don't do you anyway uh, a crowd of 300 German football fans was treated to a spectacle of high balls and flying tackles as a team took to the pitch entirely naked except for their boots and socks hmm the, the match in the western city of Duisburg was the first uh, time the so-called Nachten Mannschaft Nachtenmannschaft a pun on German words for nude and national team had played in front of spectators. The event was billed by a spectator, uh, Jarrett Staszkowski, uh, 35, an artist, you see, you can get away with that. You see, that's the thing. If you want to get naked in public, just do, just say that you're an artist. What you're doing is for art's sake, 
All right. That's all you have to do. You won't get arrested. You won't get anybody put your kit away. That is exposed. No, no, I'm an artist. I'm actually, I'm doing this for the benefit of mankind and womankind, but my mankind's out. Anyway, it's a game as such as never been before in the vastness of the, national, the football planet. A team in jerseys against a new delivery. On his Instagram page, he said it'd be a furious display of artistry for connoisseurs. That's, see, just put that kind of bollocks out and you'll be fine. That's what you'll probably get a grant for that. If you say you're going to do, I don't know, what's, let's think, what could you do? Bowling, a bit of 10 pin bowling nakedness? It'd be a lot of stretchy stuff, but that's art. It'd be a furious display of artistry for connoisseurs. <laughs> The naked men, naked team, was composed of men and women of varying physiques, with their numbers painted on their backs. <laughs> I wonder what they used. Would it be a, would it be a motion? No, it'd have to be a darker colour, you know. Uh, they were also photographed with boycott Qatar twenty two on their backs, a reference to the campaign seeking to persuade the national team uh, to pull out of the World Cup in Qatar. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Some of the funds raised went towards Stawiski's defence against a lawsuit brought by an amateur football uh, footballer whose surname is Ficken, which is F-U-C-K in English. He is suing the filmmaker for violating his privacy after his ID card was displayed. The documentary released in 2017. Uh, the naked uh, team drew 8-8 against uh, Porto, Grand Porto Regionale All-Stars. Oh, maybe it's, it's just a thought. Maybe we should have a wee bit more of that. Oh, coming up next, I'm going to talk about the... Uh, this is for all the baldies. Somewhere in the world is going to do uh, a, a festival of baldness. So get on board. Hot town, summer in the city. Back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. It a pity, doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city All around people looking half dead Walking on the sidewalk harder than a match here But at night it's a different world Go out and find a girl Come on, come on and dance all night Despite the heat it'll be alright And babe, don't you know it's a pity The days can't be like the nights In the summer, in the city In the summer, in the city in the city, dressed so fine and looking so pretty. Cool cat looking for a kitty, gonna look in every corner of the city. Till I'm wheezing like a bus stop, running up the stairs, gonna meet you on the rooftop. But at night it's a different world, go out and find a girl. Come on, come on, if that's all night, just like the heat, it'll be alright. And babe, don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the nights in the summer, in the city, in the summer, in the city. Your hair down. Oh, hello there, everybody. Welcome. It's Ronnie Barber uh, live uh, from the Gator community. Uh, and what was I going to say to you as well? Yeah, I was going to say something. I can't remember for the life of me what I was going to say. Doesn't matter. 
Yeah, uh, you can uh, text me, email, whatever you fancy. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. I've just posted a, a thing there by Gillian Reynolds, who's a radio, uh, she's a radio critic, and she's just put up a great article about the fact that um, the BBC don't cherish and don't understand, really, how much local radio means to people. Uh, so that I've seen those articles written again and again. The BBC never quite get it. The people who work in it and the bosses who work in the BBC at local radio level know exactly what it means. But the only person who actually understood local radio audiences was Greg Dyke. Greg Dyke realised that the way the BBC could get into the front rooms of the listeners and for their programming and everything was through local radio. But ever since then, yeah, it's over. And local radio is not... At, uh, in a healthy state at the moment anyway. Bless them, the people there are working so hard with so little. Hey, as a powerful uh, fashionitas gather in Manhattan this month uh, for New York Fashion Week, another festival will celebrate those largely overlooked by Vogue who still face mockery in the public square and risk of sunburn on the tops of their heads. This is for, I'm losing my hair, and it's actually getting thin, so I can get burned very easily. Baldfest is being billed as a historic event for the hairless, allowing them to embrace their condition in a safe space. With bald bands, bald comedians and free razors. Whoa, 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 steady, hang on. Why are we giving away razors? We don't want to lose more, we want more. Why are you not giving away free wigs? <clears throat> Baldfest is, a, oh, that's my wife just going out to work. Good, she's going to visit one of her patients. Good, that's a proper job, isn't it? Baldfest is a celebration of owning your own fate. The organiser, Rami Even Ish, a Brooklyn musician who raps under the name Koshy Dills. I like Koshy Dills. Uh, tickets are, are, are 18 pounds, but anyone willing to have their head shaved on the door will be allowed in free of charge. Whoa, whoa. I thought it was for uh, you know, people who are properly bald, not the inflicted baldness. Well, that's not, that's not proper boldness. $18, you might as well just get a haircut. Uh, we allowed in free of charge to the Underground Club in Brooklyn where the event stays. Those who still have their hair can have their off photograph taken with a bald person in a photo booth. The Bald Pride Gala will feature, uh, will feature Chani Lisbon, who is a comedian who has suffered bouts of alopecia. Now, now we get into it, it's about alopecia. Each time my hair falls out and the people who are going through chemotherapy, that's good. But we shouldn't, you know, oh, are they trying to, and I'm trying working this out, are they trying to embrace the boldness for people who are suffering from it? I get it. I get it. All things are here in 2000. Right now there's a bald spot in the top of my head. I don't want you to know about that, but it's important for me to talk about it because it takes away the pain and the thought that no one understands. So it's all about alopecia and, and, and people who are going bald through different reasons. But I've got to watch that the, uh, the non-bald people take this over and claim it as their own. Right, coming up, Nature Notes, and then we are done for the day.
politicians and the leaders when they do things by half. But who gets the job of pushing the knob? That sort of responsibility you draw straws for if you're mad enough. song by the way uh, today what I'm going to do today uh, well I've got Daisy uh, after school today uh, so it's good uh, so we'll have ice lollies uh, don't tell her parents so no you don't they don't need to know they don't need to know it's fine she'll get a nice lolly because it's hot and she's doing really well at school the girl she's doing really good so the other kids as well they're doing brilliantly uh, time for nature notes everybody this is uh, the bit in the time. I think, I think it's for posh people, but I think it's for everybody, really, in the end. Uh, here it is, then. The air over the barley stubble. Barley stubble, you see it in the Flintstones. The air over the barley stubble, now direct drilled with oilseed rape and dressed with... and dressed with... and dressed and dressed with blue slug pallets was empty, but dozens of swallows swooped over the hay meadow where cylindrical yellow bales had recently stood. A second flush of grass had flourished there since the tall, blonde acres had been mown. And it was alive with insects, crane flies, micromoths, and grasshoppers in varying stages of development. From nymphs... Nymphs? To far spring, that sounded slightly German there, didn't it? From nymphs to far springing adults, the ho swallows hawk the whole meadow. Oh, no, I didn't know that's what they hawk. Swallows hawk the whole meadow, snapping at insects from just a few inches above the ground, filling their crops. The skies over the next field were empty. That's Melissa Harrison. God, I'd love to live in her world, wouldn't you? I just look at it and see, is it a field and there's some birds there, but she can see swallows hawking. Every time as well, I always feel sorry for the insects because we kind of go, oh, they're eating the insects and everything. You think, well, hang on, what about the poor wee beast? But that seems to be it today, everybody. Let's see what, what to, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm in good time. That's great time. Uh, the one letter from the Times today, which I think is well worth reading, and I don't know where this kind of came about, though. Um, Sir, says Catherine Money from Chobham in Surrey, posh as. Chobham's well posh. Sir, uh, Carol Midgley, notebook, uh, September the 4th. I think that's something on the, in the Times. What's the point of croutons? The answer is that croutons cooked in the oven for a short time at a high heat and a little olive oil and salt are delicious. If she was served croutons that were stale cubes of bread that are rock hard on the outside and spongy in the middle, 
I can only suggest that she patronises a better class of restaurant. That's what's concerning the people. That's what kind of bothers them. <laughs> what's the point of croutons? That is today's show done for you, everybody. You can contact me, Ronnie, at vagueradio.co.uk uh, if you want to do that. You can text as well. The text is... The phone's open there, 07849-453-587. Any suggestion for the show, then keep them to yourself. Uh, yeah, keep, just for now, just keep them to yourself. And by the way, keep your hands to yourself, you dirty beggars. Come on. No need for that, some of that stuff you're doing. I'm running out of... I ran out of breath there. Hey, have a good day. Wear a mask, everybody. Stay safe. Get your sun cream on. Bye.